Chapter 17, Alliances It was strange how so many years later I still knew the route to the house by heart. I'd only driven there a number of times after I'd gotten my license, but even so, every turn I made was something I didn't have to think about. I pulled into the driveway and sat in my car a moment, the engine off, but the music was still playing. I sat in my car, staring at the house I used to know so well, a house that held so many memories. I tried to gather the courage to do what I needed to, but knowing I had no better option didn't settle my nerves any. I wasn't sure what they'd say when they saw me, nearly six years later. I gave up contemplating the vast amount of what-ifs. As the sound of blindsights finding reality faded from my speakers, I got out of my car, shutting the door and locking it. I put my keys and phone in my pocket and walked up to the front door, knocking and standing back. I only waited about ten seconds before a woman opened the door, the surprise evident on her face. Jade? Come in, come in. I haven't seen you in so long. I stepped inside, the house looked the same as it did when it was practically my second home. She closed the door and quickly asked, Can I get you anything? Some water or tea? I shook my head, I'd like to speak to you and Mr. Vega, if that's possible. She seemed confused, but went towards the stairs anyway, calling up to Mr. Vega, David, we have a visitor. Mrs. Vega smiled at me and gestured towards one of the sofas, please, have a seat. I sat down and waited. Only a moment later, he came downstairs, looking at me with the same look Mrs. Vega had given me. Jade? I haven't seen you in years, how are you? I stood up and shook his hand as he offered his own, a gesture I remembered had won his favor the first time I had met him. He smiled and sat down next to his wife, what brings you here? It's been so long, why, I thought I'd never see you after you and Tori stopped talking. You two were the greatest of friends. I winced a bit, but said what I needed to, about that, Tori and I met again recently, since her best friend is dating my roommate. But look, I can't and won't say any more than I need to, but Tori's in trouble. My friends and I are doing everything we can to make her safe, but I need the law on my side as much as possible. Can you help me with that? Mr. Vega rubbed his chin for a moment, what kind of help are you looking for? And what kind of danger is she in? We haven't spoken to her in ages. What I need is to know that I won't get pulled over if I'm speeding over to her place to help. I've got a meeting set up with James Holson tomorrow evening to make sure we have someone to help us work through the inevitable charges she'll face. Right now she's in an abusive relationship with a man who's very high up in a gang. He beats her and from what Kat said, rapes her as well. She's seen the marks for herself, she knows it's really happening. Tori's addicted to drugs, which is part of the reason she can't leave the man, the other part is we're all certain the man will lash out on her and everyone she cares about. She even told me herself that he's planning on killing me, my friends, and my four-year-old brother. Neither of them could hide the shock on their faces. They were silent for a long time until Mr. Vega spoke up, why is he specifically targeting you? I held back from giving him the full truth, he knows I'll die to protect Tori, and my friends would die to protect me. If I'm out of the way, and my friends are out of the way, 
he'll get to keep her for himself. He looked me in the eye, I'll make you a deal. As long as you swear to me you will do everything you possibly can to save her, I'll make sure the police never intercept you, and I will do everything I can to make sure she serves as little time as possible, and, if he's still alive, I'll make sure he's first to get the needle. I nodded, you have my word. He stood up, looking towards his wife, Honey, can you get me some paper and a pen please? She nodded and walked off to another room. He looked back to me, speaking quietly, I know you two aren't just friends. I could see it in your eyes as clearly as I did eight years ago, you two are in love. I respect that you won't tell us without her permission, but just know that I'll never go against you two, and I'll make sure my wife doesn't either. I nodded, not sure what to say. Mrs. Vega came back into the room, handing the items to her husband. He asked me, what's the plate number of your car? There's a few, I kind of collect cars, I listed off six plate numbers, four of my own, as well as Kat and Randy's cars. Are you rich or something? I knew your parents were quite well off, but I didn't think it was this much. Mrs. Vega teased. I shrugged, I make a lot of my own money. How so? She asked curiously. Yes, do tell how you earn this much, David added. Do you remember how I was very into MMA when I was younger? They nodded. I fight professionally now, I'm signed to the SFC, and I'll be fighting for the championship in a few months. They seemed impressed. David stood up, and I stood up as well, it was nice to see you again, Jade. I hope we'll be seeing more of you, and I look forward to my daughter being in good hands again. He shook my hand and gave me a wink. I just smirked back. Mrs. Vega saw me out and both had even more impressed looks as they saw the car I was driving. I got in and started it up, pulling out of the driveway and starting on the route back to my house, satisfied with Mr. Vega's agreement to my request. Come on, it's only a bit further now, Randy called out to me, just as breathless as I was. I hopped over a fallen tree trunk and caught up to him as he came to a stop near some large boulders. He nudged me and pointed off into the distance, look. I looked to where he was pointing and grinned, that's incredible. From our vantage point, we could clearly see an incredible view of the Angeles National Forest. I hadn't even realized we'd come so far up the trail, but I was glad we did, that's amazing. Let's sit and rest for a bit before we make the trip back down, Randy suggested, sitting down on one of the boulders. I sat next to him and retired one of my shoes. I wanted to talk to you, he said. That's actually why I suggested we take this run. What, you couldn't tell me back in the city? Well, it's not as picturesque back there. Plus, being surrounded by nature helps you think better, cleaner air, relaxing sounds. But there's something I've been thinking about. I sat up and focused on the forest below, what's that? You know that note Tori gave you, where she said that she wanted us to find an enemy to put up against Stephen? I nodded. The more I think about it, the more I'm thinking we got this all wrong. I looked over at him, what do you mean? He kicked a small pebble, I was just thinking about it from Stephen's perspective. 
Think about it, if you were him, would you fear the police or another gang? Would you fear an enemy you've beaten before? I slowly began to understand what he was about. You'd laugh in their face, wouldn't you? Yeah, but who could possibly pose a bigger threat to him than those two? You would. I stopped, but he continued talking, you wouldn't be concerned with someone you've beaten before, you know their tactics, you know their moves, but someone you've never gone up against? Someone with unorthodox moves, unpredictable tactics, you'd fear them, wouldn't you? He's never dealt with someone like you before, someone who's dangerous without weapons, because their own body is their weapon. But, it gets worse for him, because not only would he be outmatched if he didn't have a weapon, there's also someone close to him that's on your side. He's afraid of you, that's why he's so intent on taking you out. I thought about what he said, realizing he was right. Stephen was terrified of me, he knew I could take him down if he left me unchecked for too long. But, there. Was one other thing, the only reason he'd be so afraid of me is because he knows he'll lose Tori to me. He knows. I'd be surprised if he didn't, with all the surveillance he's put on her. He just doesn't want her to know that he knows. Remember how Tori got very defensive over him that one day? He most likely began trying to convince her that he cares about her as well, to take one thing out of the equation, if only temporarily. I sighed and stood up, let's head back. Look what I got, Stephen announced as he walked into the apartment, holding up something. I finished the paragraph I was on and glanced up, you got more? He nodded, flicked the baggie once, then tossed it to me. I caught it and looked at it as he walked away. I couldn't control myself for more than two seconds before I opened the baggie and grabbed two pills, downing them with a sip of my water on the coffee table. Fucker knows I can't resist, I mumbled to myself. I could already feel the high coming on, and it was intense. I didn't know how I'd ever be able to stop doing drugs when it felt so damn good. The next night Stephen burst out of the bedroom and jumped over the back of the couch, landing on it and grabbing the remote, turning on the TV. What's with the dramatic entrance? I grumbled, moving to get more comfortable now that he was taking up half the couch. He shushed me and mumbled, look. I looked at the TV and saw what looked to be the SFC. I put my book down and sat up, looking at the screen, watching as two fighters were standing in the cage after a fight, one talking to an interviewer and the other having his injuries tended to. A moment later, the screen switched to a title card, showing a brunette named Emily Capri with her stats under her picture and name, and on the other side of the screen was Jade. I'd completely forgotten she fought tonight. The screen was a blur as the two had their entrances, the announcer's voice telling the audience the fighter's stats was barely audible. The announcer left the cage, and the ref signaled for the two to tap gloves, but Jade did something I'd never seen her do before, she rejected it. She stared down the other woman with a look of intense ferocity, and even though such a gesture was considered offensive, the crowd cheered for her. I really wondered how much I'd missed. The ref called out for the two to fight, and Emily charged straight at Jade, who easily sidestepped her, catching her in a headlock before she could circle out and tripping her up, wrestling her to the ground. Capri desperately tried to fight her off, but Jade managed to trap her arm and rolled her into an armbar.
She howled in pain and tapped out only a few seconds later. Jade stood up while the ref helped up Capri. She offered her hand in a handshake to Jade, but she just turned her back on her, jumping up onto the cage and hugging Randy. She sat on top of the cage and watched as one of Capri's trainers made sure she was okay. The crowd cheered wildly for Jade. She jumped down and Randy, Beck, and Andre joined her in the cage, while she and Capri stood on either side of the ref. And the winner of this bout via first-round submission is Jade the Panther West. The interviewer put his hand on Jade's shoulder, well, West, first off, how do you feel about this fight? Honestly? It's whatever. I respected Capri as a fighter up until she used shady tactics to try to beat me before we ever fought. And is that why you refused to tap gloves or shake her hand after the fight? Yeah, it is. High school bullying tactics aren't what win fights or win respect, it's skill. She was just one obstacle in my way, and I'm gunning for the championship next. Best of luck to you, and congratulations on your win. 16 seconds, that's impressive. What incredible talent, Stephen drawled, turning off the TV. I nodded numbly. He stood up and walked away. Someone has to beat her at some point, though. Chapter 18 Tell Me Something Sweet. All units in the vicinity of 4th Street North, we have a matte black Lamborghini driving recklessly at high speeds. 09 is giving chase. Over. 04 to 09, what is the plate number? Looks to be Panther, over. 09 stop the chase, that vehicle is exempt. Sir? Chief has declared that vehicles are exempt, cease your chase immediately and let them pass. Randy turned off the police radio as Jade swerved around a few other cars, slowing down only to make a turn. Are they still behind us? He shook his head, no, they stopped chasing us, we're good. Jade clenched her teeth and kept driving, trying her best to stay focused. The two detectives sitting across from me sorted a few papers, one man by the name of Detective Harrison preparing to write, the other, a woman named Detective Young, making sure the recording devices around the room were working properly. Detective Young gave me a look of sympathy. I fucking hated sympathy. Okay Jade, let's start from the beginning, she suggested in a soft tone, as if she were speaking to a small child. I was tired of the way they were treating me, and my anger was already through the roof. I just ranted, stumbling over my words, talking faster than my brain could keep up with, you can stop acting like I'm some fucking helpless victim. I'm not a victim, I refuse to be a fucking victim. But you want me to start from the beginning? Okay, sure. This fucker has been following me for months, okay? Two months ago his lackeys broke into my house and attacked me and my friends. Seven guys, right, they busted in my fucking door and attacked me and my friends. That's where this started, the physical confrontations, but he's been on my ass longer than that. That, that, that watch you confiscated from me, the fitness tracker, I wear that everywhere, right, it tracks everything almost as well as Beck does. You know what this fucking prick did? He put a GPS tracker on it, right, he follows me everywhere. Slow down, please. 
you say he, you know who's doing this? Stephen Carson, I stated, he's one of the higher-ups in the Sicilian Brotherhood, I'm sure you know the one. Detective Harrison was furiously writing down the details of my statement. Young continued her questioning, so you say the physical confrontations started when these seven men broke into your home? I nodded. And this fitness tracker you wear, it's on you all the time? I take it off to shower, that's pretty much it. It's on me all the time. And he put a tracker on it? I nodded, throwing up my hands and sitting back, of course he fucking did. How else would he follow me everywhere? Oh, but you want to know how, don't you? I'll tell you how. It went missing two weeks ago while I was at the gym, Pierre's MMA gym, if you want the name. I was training with Jacob King, he was one of the guys at my house when those guys broke in a couple months back, but we were working on some jiu-jitsu, ground fighting, and I had to take it off so it wasn't in the way. It went missing then. Two days later when we were back in the gym, when Randy and I went out to my car so we could head home, it was sitting on the roof of my car. We checked the surveillance footage, found the guy who did it, but couldn't see his face cause of the black hoodie he was wearing. We'll need those tapes as evidence, can you get those for us? Ask Randy 4M, they're his property. She looked through a few other papers in my case file, so moving on, you have a dog, a pit bull, Hujo? Yeah, I got him when he was a puppy, very well behaved. He used to come with me on my runs every day, but his paw was injured a few days ago. I don't know what happened, but the vet said he can't run with me for the next two weeks. How was his paw injured? I ran my fingers through my hair inside, then winced at the pain, he stepped on a nail that was sticking out of my deck in the back of my house. There was absolutely no reason for a nail to be sticking out unless someone pulled it out. Do you think Stephen was responsible for this incident as well? Absolutely, no doubt about it. She glanced over at her partner's notes, did anything occur between the time your dog's paw was injured and the attack this morning? No, things were silent, normal. Detective Young handed me a piece of paper, a map, can you mark the route you took this morning for your run? I sat up, again wincing at the pain. I took the pen she gave me and looked at the map. I marked the location of my house first, then drew a line from my house around the path I took and then back, lastly I made a very large and angry circle along the path. I pushed the paper back to her, that was the route I planned on taking. This circle you made, that's where they attacked you? I nodded. Can you walk us through what happened? Flashback. I was angry, not only at the fact I was on another run without my dog, but also because of the traffic I'd forgotten to take into account before I left. I was nearly at the end of my run though. I made it through the entrance to my neighborhood and was on the street that connected to my own when I noticed. The car following me. I ignored it for a while, at least until it was abundantly clear they were trailing me. I was careful, planning out an escape route before ever changing my pace. I made up my mind and made a break for it, sprinting as fast as I could towards the large fence surrounding my house. When I was about 50 feet away from my house, another car came speeding around the corner, essentially trapping me. 
I cursed to myself and ran faster as several guys got out of both cars, all charging for me. I knew at that moment that I wouldn't be able to escape, they had me boxed in. I came to a stop with my back against a brick wall, effectively eliminating attack points. There were at least eight guys, maybe ten, I had no chance. Is this how you plan on getting me? I taunted them, outnumber me ten to one? Is that the only way you can win, huh? Come get me then, give me your best shot, you fucking pussies. They all attacked me, ripping me away from the wall and throwing me to the ground. It was a blur of pain from then on, kicks and punches striking every part of my body. I couldn't tell how long it went on for, my adrenaline was pumping, the only way I knew they were still hitting me was the blur around my eyes, the violent shakes of my body, and the occasional crack. I heard barking and shouting, the sounds came as if I were hearing them from underwater. The men around me ran off, getting in their cars and speeding away. Hujo licked my face, my arms, my legs, whining, not knowing what to do with himself. Someone picked me up and brought me into the house, laying me down on the couch. Hujo sat right next to me, his head nudging me, almost as a reminder that he was there for me. There was shuffling around me, footsteps frantically stomping around, voices speaking to me, and to others, but I couldn't make out what they were saying. I could hear sirens, the front door opening, people rushing around me. My body moved around a bit more, and the next time I was able to open my eyes, I could see the inside of an ambulance. Two paramedics were sitting on either side of me, their hands a blur as they bandaged a few wounds, held pressure on others, speaking to me, words I didn't understand. One grabbed my left hand, saying something to me. I had no idea what he said, but my brain was able to process what he was getting at, and I squeezed his hand. The fog in my mind started to clear as the adrenaline stopped pumping through my veins, the pain overcame me. Their voices became clearer. Jade West, 23 years old, female, Caucasian, blood type O positive. End of flashback. And then that was where you lost consciousness? I nodded, lost too much blood. Adrenaline stopped. Shock would have set in if I hadn't been trained to stay calm no matter what. Do you know what any of these guys looked like? No, I couldn't size up anything other than the numbers against me, and even that I'm not so sure of. They tracked my movements, made sure the coast was clear, made sure I was alone before they attacked. They weren't even trying to hurt me that bad. She had a confused look on her face, you say they weren't trying to hurt you? I shook my head, no, if they wanted to kill me they would have done it. They didn't, they roughed me up. They were trying to make a statement, send a message. They want me to stand down. Why are these men after you? Because I'm a threat. Stephen's girlfriend, Victoria Vega, and I have history. She wants away from him, to be with me, he's not going to let her go without a fight. He's dangerous, he hurts her, and she puts up with it because she's an addict, he has drugs, and that's what she needs. How does he hurt her? Beats her, rapes her, whatever he feels like doing. To him she's just an object, a tool. He knows if left unchecked I'll bring his ass down, so he's trying to take me out before that happens. 
he's already planned out how he's going to kill all my friends, me, and my four-year-old brother. You know it takes one sick fuck to kill a kid just to get to someone else. She seemed angered at the thought as well, your brother, does he live with you? No, he lives with his dad, Jeffrey Davis. He was my mom's boyfriend. Was? My mom's dead, labor complications. She knew she was going to die if she went through with the birth, but did it anyway. Jeff blames Mikey for her death. I've been working on getting full custody of him to keep him away from that fucker. Mikey, he's your half-brother? I nodded. Who else has Stephen threatened? My trainers and roommates, Andre Harris, Beck Oliver, and Randy Pierre. These men live with you full-time? Andre and Beck do, Randy's at my house most days, but every once in a while he'll stay at his own place. He's put it up for sale though, planning on moving in with me. Detective Young stood up, thank you very much for your statement, you may pick up your belongings from the front desk and be on your way. I was tired, lazily lounging on the couch and flipping through the channels of the TV trying to find something interesting to watch. I figured, being as bored and tired as I already was, the news wouldn't be so bad to watch. I changed the channel and watched as they reported new statistics about the drought, and then another shooting as a result of the ongoing gang wars. The screen switched to breaking news, and the news anchor switched to another story. An attack this morning in West Hollywood has left 23-year-old professional MMA fighter Jade West with some serious injuries. Sources say West was attacked at the tail end of her morning run by several men dressed in black who outnumbered her and beat her nearly to the point of unconsciousness. The attackers were scared off when 45-year-old former MMA champion Randy Pierre and West's own loyal dog heard the commotion and ran outside. The original motive was thought to be related to West's upcoming fight for the Women's Bantamweight Championship, but according to West's own statement, the motive is clear to her. The actual motive was not shared with the public, and the police have an ongoing investigation. We will continue to update on this story as details become available. I couldn't breathe. It was Stephen, I knew it. I was terrified, not knowing how far he'd go. While in the midst of panicking, I felt incredibly sick and was forced to run to the bathroom to throw up. I sat against the wall, fighting the urge to cry. I couldn't tell if I had been sick because of what happened to Jade, or something else. But I then remembered I'd been getting sick several times the past few days, and decided it was something else entirely. The door to the apartment opened and Stephen called out for me. I slowly got up and went out to the living room, I might need to go to a doctor. Why? He asked, not seeming concerned in the slightest. I've been getting sick so much these past few days, something's got to be wrong. He gave me a strange look, something that almost looked like an accomplishment. You're fine, it'll stop soon. I couldn't figure out what he meant by that, and didn't even try to understand. I sat down on the couch, fixing up a hit of heroin as he retreated to the bedroom. I took the hit and fell asleep a few minutes later, smoking a joint. A few days later, I woke up late after another nap, no light streaming through the windows, the clock on the TV read 2.36 a.m. 
I sat up groggily, blinking a few times. Something was sitting on the coffee table, a plastic bag. It wasn't there when I went to sleep, and I picked it up, opening it. My heart sank, I couldn't catch my breath, and I was nearly shaking in fear at the small box in the bag. I didn't want to believe it, I didn't even want to think about it. I tossed it back onto the coffee table, sitting back and bringing my knees up to my chest, holding them close and trying to get my breathing under control. I sat there for what felt like ages, just trying to stay calm. I finally got up and checked all over the apartment, not seeing Stephen anywhere. I grabbed three pills from my stash, downing them as quickly as I could, doing everything I could to keep from having a full-scale breakdown. I found my phone and dialed Kat's number, not even caring that it was three in the morning. She answered at the fourth ring, sounding like she'd just woken up. I believed it. Tori? What's going on? Kat, I'm losing my mind, I know it's so late and I'm sorry for waking you up but I need you, I let out in one single breath. Slow down, sweetie. What's wrong? It sounded as if she were getting out of bed, leaving a room and walking somewhere else. I'm about to freak the fuck out, I can't breathe right, my heart's beating so fast, I'm so scared. Are you hurt? Are you in danger? What's going on? Talk to me. She sounded incredibly upset, but I didn't even know what to say. Words eluded me. I don't know, Stephen, he did something bad. I'm not hurt, but Kat, I'm so scared. What did he do to you? She asked in a firm tone, as if she were trying to hide the fact she was furious. I can't say, I let out as I started to cry. Something else crept into my mind, and I had to ask, partly from curiosity, partly just to have some distraction, how's Jade doing? Kat sighed, probably irritated that she didn't know what was going on with me. But truthfully, I had no idea what to say to her. She's okay. Her injuries aren't anything she can't recover from. They've already got her walking normally, and should be back to training in a few days. The injuries weren't nearly as bad as they thought originally, few fractured ribs and some cuts and bruises. Nothing major. She's pissed that it was already on the news, though. I'm so sorry, if I had known he would do that I would have told you. Nobody blames you, sweetie. Honestly, Jade's been worried about you. I could feel the drugs taking effect. I was fighting to keep my eyes open, I forced myself to stay conscious for a few more seconds, Cat, I need you to do me a solid. Tell Jade I love her, please. Of course. Are you okay? Passing out. Was all I managed to get out before I fell unconscious. Cat stayed on the phone a while longer after it had slipped from Tori's grasp, listening, comforted by the fact Tori was still breathing normally. She heard something else a few seconds later, a door opening and closing. Stephen's voice was faint as he nudged Tori, seeing if she was awake. Kat stayed silent. Tori? He asked her. He knew she was unconscious. He stepped into the bedroom, coming back out with a needle and a piece of cord they used for injections. Stephen quickly prepared a hit of heroin, cutting a bit out of a baggie, 
and melting the light blue powder in a spoon, using the needle to draw it up. He tied the cord around her arm, injecting the needle into her arm, pulling it back a bit to make sure he was in a vein, then shooting it up into her arm. His next words made Kat's blood run cold, now you'll be off my back. Sleep now, and don't ever wake up. Kat hung up the phone, running back into the bedroom and waking Beck, get up. Tori's in trouble. As soon as Beck was awake, she ran down the hall to Randy's room, nearly breaking down the door, screaming at him as well, Randy. Get up, Tori's in trouble, we've got to do something. Randy gained consciousness surprisingly fast, you and Beck get dressed, we'll meet you downstairs, go. She did as he told her, running back into the bedroom and quickly getting dressed. She and Beck then ran downstairs and paced back and forth in the kitchen. Kat spoke up in a frantic tone, should we call 911? Beck shook his head, not yet, just wait. Only a minute later, Randy, Jade, and Andre were downstairs. What the fuck is going on? Jade shouted angrily. Tori called me about ten minutes ago. She sounded so upset, terrified. She wouldn't tell me what was wrong but said she wasn't harmed. I guess she had taken some drugs before calling me because she passed out, and I stayed on the phone a while to make sure she was breathing okay, and then Stephen came home. I'm about 99% sure he gave her a hot shot. Jade grabbed her jacket and put on her shoes, as Randy pulled something out of the fridge, looking to Beck and Cat, call 911, send them to Tori's address. What apartment is she in? 436. At that, he bolted out to the garage. Jade moved to follow him, but was stopped by Cat, she wanted me to tell you she loves you. Jade nodded, thank you, and then she left, closing the door behind her. The last thing they heard was her car starting up and speeding off. Jade drove as fast as possible, swerving in and out of traffic. Randy turned on the police radio Jade had in the car just for giggles, turning it up. About two minutes later, they heard sirens behind them, and blue and red lights were always behind them. All units in the vicinity of 4th Street North, we have a matte black Lamborghini driving recklessly at high speeds, 09 is giving chase. Over. 04 to 09, what is the plate number? Looks to be Panther, over. 09 stop the chase, that vehicle is exempt. Sir? Chief has declared that vehicles are exempt, cease your chase immediately and let them pass. Randy turned off the police radio as Jade swerved around a few other cars, slowing down only to make a turn. Are they still behind us? He shook his head, no, they stopped chasing us, we're good. Jade clenched her teeth and kept driving, trying her best to stay focused. They made it to Tori's apartment in record time, both jumping out of the car and running into the building, taking the stairs, as they both knew they could climb stairs faster than any elevator. What floor is it? 4. Randy told her, pulling open the fourth floor door and leading Jade down the hallway, stopping in front of apartment 436. Have at it, you have a stronger kick than me. He stepped back and Jade kicked the door as hard as she could near the knob and it flew open, look for him. She shouted, taking the box from his hand.
Jade saw Tori lying on the couch, the cord still around her arm. Randy went down the small hallway, checking each room as Jade knelt down next to the couch, opening the box and removing an alcohol pad. Jade pulled up one leg of the pajama pants Tori was wearing, ripping open the alcohol pad with her teeth and cleaned the area. Just as Randy announced the apartment was clear, Jade popped off the top of the small vial, using the syringe to draw up one cubic centimeter of the liquid. She took the needle and injected the medicine into her thigh. They both heard sirens approaching the building. Jade put the needle on the table, put the cap on that, please. She moved up and continued with the rescue breathing like Jake had taught her. Randy grabbed the syringe and the cap, recapping it and putting it back in the box. As he set it down, something on the table caught his eye, and he picked it up. A plastic bag from a drugstore. He looked inside and felt like he got punched in the chest, holy fuck. Tori seemed slightly responsive, coughing a few times and very weakly squeezing Jade's hand when she asked. Jade glanced over at Randy, curious as to what he was so shocked by. He held up the small box, and Jade had the exact same sinking feeling. What the fuck does she need a pregnancy test for? Chapter 19 What Brought Us Here My body ached. There was an overwhelming pressure in my head. I tried like hell to open my eyes. The room was bright, I could see several machines next to the bed, and four in the back of my hand, a heart rate monitor beeping steadily. I looked the other way, a large window allowed the sun to stream through, and a silhouette against it, a woman. Her arms were crossed, her posture straight. I could tell from the aura around her, the calm, the confidence, a sense of safety, it was Jade. I attempted to say something to her, but I ended up just coughing quite violently. She turned around and stood next to the bed, smiling at me. I grinned. Sheepishly, that was supposed to be one of my signature pickup lines, but it didn't work out too well. The execution was a little flat, she teased, reaching over me and pressing a button on a remote. What time is it? I asked, stretching out a bit. Jade glanced at her watch, about five. The door to the room opened and a woman wearing a blue nurse's outfit walked in, smiling warmly at me, good evening, Miss Vega. It's nice to see you awake. How are you feeling? Have you ever seen the movie Pulp Fiction? I feel like that kid, uh, I snapped my fingers a few times, Marvin, that was his name. I feel like Marvin after Vincent shot him in the face. Jade snorted, standing up straight and facing the window, hand over her mouth. The nurse seemed similarly amused as she checked a few of the machines, you have a headache then? Nah. Well, a bit. But more in the regard of it just being a really bad day. I imagine Marvin's day was pretty bad up to that point. I'd imagine so, she chuckled, how are you feeling otherwise? Any soreness, shortness of breath, vertigo? I lay back and shook my head, not anything outstanding. My whole body's sore, but it's worse in my stomach. Oddly, both the nurse and Jade seemed to sober up at that. She glanced at Jade, did you tell her? Jade shook her head, no, I called you as soon as she woke up. 
I figured that would be your job. The nurse nodded and looked at me, Victoria, did you know you were pregnant? My heart sank. I weakly shook my head, not daring to say anything. I couldn't even bring myself to look at Jade. You were two months pregnant. There was a dash. Stop. Where? She nodded. The heroin overdose resulted in a miscarriage early this morning, about an hour after you arrived at the hospital. I didn't say anything else. I stared ahead at the lavender-colored wall, unwilling to meet the eyes or the nurse or Jade. She continued on, the doctors were concerned at the state of your body when you arrived, um, she looked at Jade, questioningly. I continued staring ahead, but reached over to take Jade's hand, silently letting the nurse know that she was going to stay. Jade squeezed my hand once to tell me she was there. Okay, well, among the signs of drug abuse, there were a few telltale signs of domestic abuse as well. Was someone abusing you? I huffed once, you tell me. Was this pregnancy consensual? I tried, really, I did, I tried to take her seriously, but her questions were just ludicrous. Really? You think I'd willingly have a child when I'm a drug addict? You think I'd let a kid grow up in the same environment I lived in? Sure, I don't doubt you've encountered people like that before, but let me tell you this, I'm not that person. I looked straight at her, I would never condemn a child to the same hell I lived in. Nobody deserves that. Stephen, he got my favorite drug, a special brand of X, side effects include memory loss and essentially passing out. When I was conscious, he wore a condom. When I wasn't, well, you can probably imagine how much free reign he had. The nurse had a sad look on her face, the doctor will be in tomorrow morning to see how you're doing. He wanted you to stay the night so we could keep an eye on you and make sure you're okay. Is there anything you need? I could use a good book, I mumbled. Randy grabbed one that was sitting on the coffee table, had a bookmark in it, so he figured that's what you were reading, Jade said, handing Fahrenheit 451 to me. I smiled at her. Miss Vega, I'll have to check your vitals real quick, and then you have a couple visitors waiting to see you. I looked at her, confused, visitors? Your parents. Fuck me. I glared at Jade, you did this, didn't you? She shrugged, I'd apologize, but I'm not sorry. They want to see you. I sighed and held out my arm for the nurse, let's get this over with. She took my vitals and headed for the door, I'll be back in two hours to check them again. Once she was gone, I looked at Jade just as she said, if you don't want to see them, I'll tell them that they can come back another time. No, I want to see them. I just haven't talked to them in five years. Jade seemed surprised by that, but just nodded and went over to the door. I put the book down on the table next to me and brought my knees up to my chest, wincing slightly at the pain in my abdomen. My parents walked into the room, both looking sad as they saw me. They sat down on the small bench against the window. I'm going to grab something from the cafeteria, does anybody want anything? Jade asked, looking between me and both of my parents. Get me a scotch on the rocks, my dad told her with a grin. I doubt they'll have that, but I'll check, she smirked, 
leaving and closing the door behind her. I looked at my dad, since when have you two been buddies? He shrugged, we used to be, at least until you two stopped talking. She's a great woman, can't imagine why you two ever stopped being friends. He put an odd emphasis on friends, as if he didn't believe we were just friends. As a matter of fact, his entire demeanor hinted that he knew there was much more. My mom hinted at the exact same thing. She was always a delight to have around. It's truly a shame you two had that falling out. I rolled my eyes, is there something I should know about? My dad was the first to drop the act, we know. I nodded inside, so you found me out, huh? The correlation between the last few events leading up to you dropping off the radar is obvious. It became very clear to us pretty quickly. Let me just say that I wish you would have talked to us before you did what you did. But, regardless, what's done is done, and it's time to focus on repairing the damage. Your mother and I have been worried sick about you, five years is a long time to not know if your daughter is even still alive. My mom spoke to me in the most sincere voice I'd ever heard, I could sit here and lie and tell you that I didn't mean what I said in that text, I could tell you that it's not what I meant, but truthfully, I meant exactly what I said. But I saw what it did to you. I saw how you couldn't even look me in the eye after that. I saw the looks Trina even gave me. When you started to become reclusive, Trina was even more nasty to me, she told me it was my fault. I stayed silent, focusing on the four in the back of my hand. I could put two and two together quickly, but once I'd realized my mistake, it was already too late. You were gone. I can honestly say that letter you wrote us tore me apart, knowing I drove you to this. I've regretted what I said to you every single day since you left. Flashback I sealed up the second envelope, wrote Trina's name on it, and set it down next to the one written for my parents. I turned back to my duffel bag and zipped up the main compartment. I put on Jade's hoodie, the one she'd left at my house a number of weeks ago. I felt bad for taking it, but I knew if I were to have any chance of holding myself together, I'd need some part of her with me, at least for a while. I grabbed my bag and the notes and headed downstairs. I laid the two notes down on the coffee table and retrieved my keys from my pocket. I removed my house key from the ring and laid it down next to the notes. I was forced to wipe a few more stray tears as I opened the door and closed it behind myself. I tried the knob, locked. This was it. I turned and began walking down the street. End of flashback. I felt my eyes prick with tears as I remembered the last time I'd ever been in my house. My parents were silent, most likely waiting for me to say something. My brain was a mess, a mass of jumbled memories playing like a slideshow. I saw my sister and the look she gave me when she came to pick me up that night. I saw the look on my mother's face the first time I'd ever told her to leave me alone. I saw my father's broken expression when I told him that he was smothering me after he'd only asked how my day was. I saw Jade and the look of anguish that haunts my dreams every night, when I told her to just leave me alone and forget about me. Do you remember when I was 11 years old, starting at a new school, with only one friend? 
I was terrified when Lauren and I figured out we only had one class together. But you know who was in every one of my classes except the one Lauren was in? It was Jade. I lied about how we met, we didn't just get to talking one day in class. Honestly, why would she have any reason to talk to me? She was one of the popular kids, a year older than me, everyone liked her. Why would she talk to that one nerdy kid? Flashback Reading again, Four Eyes? Trevor sneered as kids were beginning to file into the classroom, taking the book from my hands. Yes, I meekly replied, can I have my book back please? He shook his head, looking at the book, what's the great Gatsby? He asked, pronouncing the name completely wrong. Oh, you almost had it there, buddy. It's the great Gatsby, though I'm sure you would have gotten it the first time if you ever bothered to pay attention in class, one of the really popular girls, Jade, cut in, surprising both of us. She took the book from his hands and tilted her head away, get out of here, and quit picking on people. Trevor scampered away, looking defeated. Jade handed the book back to me, giving me a charming smile, you know, she sat down at the desk next to mine, we've been in classes together for two months now and still haven't talked. You're always with your friends, so I never said anything. Plus you're one of the popular kids, and I'm not. Jade shrugged, people know me, I know people. That fact alone shouldn't make me unapproachable. I don't bite, promise. I put the bookmark back in my book and set it down, okay then, I'm Dash. Tori, she said, smirking. Yeah, how did you know? I hear it six times a day, five days a week. I'd have to be deaf to not know it by now. The teacher walked into the room, closing the door and asked us to get out our notebooks. Jade glanced over at me again as she opened up her notebook, a comforting smile on her face, say hi every now and again, would you? End of flashback. She was my best friend ever since then. She was the one person I felt comfortable talking to about anything. Ever since that first time she stood up for me, she's always felt safe to me. When you sent that text to me, I was only 16 and in love for the first time. Suddenly it's like that one safe place I had wasn't so safe anymore. I was terrified, and I left her in such a vulnerable moment, because I thought it was the right thing to do. I sacrificed one thing for stability somewhere else, but that one sacrifice tore everything down. Nothing felt safe anymore, nothing was okay. I gave up the one person that, no matter what, always made me feel okay. In turn, I lost everything that ever made me feel okay. My parents were silent, neither looking up from the floor. I laughed, looking up and wiping my eyes, you know, ever since I left I've done drugs on a daily basis, almost anything I could get my hands on. The funny thing, even when I was off my face, it never slipped my mind that my heart was broken. I never felt safe going to sleep, I just lived with it. I resigned myself to never feeling okay, never feeling safe, never feeling anything positive. My life was a fucking mess. My life is a fucking mess. I mean, just look at me now. I'm in the hospital because my boyfriend tried to kill me. I did this to you, my mom finally choked out. No, mom, I did this to myself. I had a choice, and I chose wrong.
This is nobody's fault but my own. All I want at this point is to repair the damage I've done to myself and to move on with my life. I want to know that you're on my side this time. My dad reached over and put his hand over my own, waiting until I looked at him to speak, we're with you this time, no matter what. I looked at my mom and she nodded, I can't lose my daughter again. I smiled at them, happy that things were much different this time. My dad took it upon himself to lighten the mood, besides, I've always liked Jade. She was one person I could always count on to watch sports with me. I laughed, she does love her sports. I assume she's told you that she's fighting professionally now? Yeah, she did. Your mother and I even watched a couple of her fights. She's really talented. Plus one of her trainers, Randy Pierre, he was my guy back in the day. You know they're like best friends, right? He lives with her now. His jaw dropped, I'd love to meet him. He's one hell of a dude. The door to my room opened up and Jade walked in, a water bottle in one hand, and a plastic bag and a piece of paper in the other. She tossed the bag to my dad, for some odd reason they didn't have any alcohol, however, they did have your second favorite thing. He opened up the bag and pulled out a small bag of salt and vinegar chips. He smiled widely at her, good kid. She handed the paper to me and moved the chair on the other side of the machine over a bit so she could sit down and see me better. I glanced at the paper, and it seemed to be a menu. The nurse wanted me to give that to you, and said they're going to be collecting dinner orders soon. What choices, I deadpanned as I looked at the two entree options, and a dozen or so side dish options. It'll be good to get some food in you, they had to pump your stomach to clear out the drugs and all that. I frowned and looked over the paper, what should I get? She stood up, standing next to my bed and put her hand on the back, looking over my shoulder at the choices. She pointed at one of the entrees, then two of the side dishes, get the chicken and rice with the broccoli and the assorted fruit. Get milk to drink with it. Why? I asked as she sat back down. It'll fill you up and it's healthy for you. You could do something healthy. I frowned, setting the paper down, I guess. It was about four hours later, after Tori had eaten her dinner, we'd said goodnight to her parents, and the nurse had taken her vitals again. It was dark outside, the lights in the room were turned down, and I was lying down on the hospital bed next to Tori, at her request. Sometimes I really wonder how we got here, she said, her eyes focused on our intertwined fingers. She spoke again before I could ask what she meant, to this point, I mean. As far apart as we were for so long. We were so in love, I just can't believe how fast everything crumbled apart. I've been meaning to ask you, what were you thinking when you woke up that morning and I was gone? I kept my eyes trained on our hands as well, finally letting myself remember the day I tried so hard to forget. One of the best days of my life, followed by the worst. It was too painful, to say the absolute least, I admitted, though I hadn't told her anything more than what she already knew. Flashback I woke up late in the morning, and the first thing I did was look beside me, seeing an empty bed. I got up, smiled, and quickly threw on some clothes. I 
first looked in the bathroom, nothing. My next thought was that she'd gone upstairs for something, though as I looked through my bedroom as I headed towards the stairs, I saw that her clothes and shoes were gone. I climbed the stairs and called her name a few times. I turned right and looked in the kitchen, not seeing her. I walked further and looked to my left at the living room, still nothing. At that, I got worried. I began frantically running around the house, calling her name, but getting no response. I ran back down two flights of stairs, from the second floor down to the basement, grabbing my phone off the charger and calling Tori's phone. Nothing. I tried again, still nothing. I sent her a text and sat down on my bed. I sat there for an hour, calling her a few more times, a few more texts. A day later, dozens of calls, dozens of texts, all unanswered. The reality of the situation began to dawn on me, and I realized she'd left me. End of flashback. I was a mess. I didn't sleep right for a few weeks after that. Honestly though, the most painful part was what you said to me that week, after you'd gotten your seat changed in the classes we had together, when I finally confronted you about everything. Flashback I left the school Friday afternoon, looking around, finally spotting her standing near a tree waiting for Trina to pick her up. I walked over to her as calmly as I could, standing in front of her and holding up my hands, you feel like telling me what's going on now? Since you've pretty much written me out of your life completely. I think I deserve an explanation. Her eyes seemed dead, there's nothing to explain Jade. It's over, that's it. That's it? I laughed humorlessly, a year together, five of being best friends. That's it? Her expression never changed from being completely blank, that's it. There's nothing between us. I finally lost my cool, pretending like nothing ever happened isn't going to change anything. No, but I can just try to forget you. It's basically the same thing. You're a fucking hypocrite. How do you expect me to just act like everything's fine? I fucking thought we had something. She turned away, there's nothing, Jade. Just forget it. I moved to stand in front of her again, you can't ignore me forever. Tori wouldn't meet my eyes. She said nothing. Somehow, the silence was worse than hearing her proclaim how much she wanted to erase every part of me. Just fucking talk to me, please. I don't even know what I did wrong. God fucking damn it, I miss you. She stayed silent. Why, Tori? Why are you doing this? She stared at the ground. I thought you loved me. She turned away again. I didn't move. I fucking loved you. Silence. You were everything to me, I whispered, dejected. Were, was her only reply. You broke my fucking heart. Tori looked up, staring at me with those dead eyes. She reached into her pocket, handing something to me. Just leave me alone, Jade. It's over. I looked at what she handed me. It was the promise ring I'd given her six months prior. I nodded and stepped back. I bit my lip in an attempt to hold myself together, but one more second of that empty stare broke me. I took another step backward, 
whispering one last thing before walking away. I hate you. End of flashback. Torai didn't say anything after that. Nothing needed to be said, no words would rectify what had happened. She turned her body slightly and cuddled into me, similar to how she used to do when we laid in my bed watching something on TV. She said only three words, but with a tone that let me know she was being completely honest this time. It wasn't like the lies she had told me the very last time we spoke, it was genuine. I knew she meant exactly what she said. I love you. Chapter 20, The Calm An hour or so after the doctor had given me the rundown of the extent of my injuries, a nurse gave Jade a few papers stapled together, as well as another separate form. Here are the directions for a diet for the next few weeks and some tips for helping her through her withdrawal. If you'll just sign here to agree that she was released into your care you'll be all ready to go. Jade signed the paper and the nurse smiled, I hope you'll be feeling better soon, Tori. Behind her, a man was standing in the hallway with a wheelchair. I have to ride in a wheelchair? It's just a procedure, honey. Jade nudged me, I mean I'll ride in it if you won't. I frowned and sat down in the chair, all right, full speed ahead. He wheeled me down to the elevators, then once we were on the main floor, over to the doors leading out of the hospital. Jade had gone ahead, taking the stairs so she could get down faster, and was already waiting by the time we got to the door. She gave me a small smile and held her hand out to me. I took it and she helped me up. Have a nice day, the male nurse said as he walked off with the wheelchair. Venturing out into the wasteland again, exciting, isn't it? I shrugged and walked with her out of the hospital, though neither of us made any move to let go of each other's hand. It's a little bit scary, honestly. We walked about 15 feet to a matte black, very expensive-looking car. She stopped by the passenger door and turned towards me, kissing my forehead, you'll be safe now, I promise. Jade opened the door for me, which I almost laughed at when it opened vertically, instead of horizontally. Nice car you've got here. She helped me into the seat and closed the door, walking around to the driver's side and getting in, what else would you do with near limitless money? Indulge in aesthetics, right? To each their own, I suppose. Personally, I would have bought commercial amounts of heroin. To my surprise, she laughed at that. She put the key in the ignition and started the car. Who needs heroin when you've got someone like me? Hell, I'm just as addictive. Don't have to tell me that, I know better than anyone. Jade looked at me as she waited at the exit to be able to get out. She held her hand out to me, and once I took it, she kissed the back of my hand, you know I'll do anything for you. I sighed and looked down at our hands, the withdrawal is going to kick in soon. I doubt you'll like me much then. She pulled out into the street as she saw her opening, what's that bullshit they say at weddings? In sickness and in health? Are you insinuating you want to marry me? She snorted, just as I expected. Fuck no. Flashback. Do you think we'll ever get married? She barely thought about the question before answering, no. I lay my book down on my stomach and looked up at her. Since my head was already lying in her lap, 
it wasn't too difficult, are you saying that you don't want to marry me, or you don't think we'll get to that point? She shrugged, her fingers playing through my hair, I hate the idea of marriage. To me it just seems like a trap, no way out even if you wanted to. I don't ever want to feel like I'm forced into being with you, even if that's all I want. I just want to be with you, I don't need a piece of paper or a ring to prove my love for you. I looked down and smiled as I twirled the ring around my finger a few times. She noticed this and snorted, that's different. How so? It's a promise. So is marriage. After a while, marriage becomes an obligation. Love can't always keep you together. I mean, look what happened to my parents. Look at mine. Do you actually want to marry me? No, I hate marriage just as much as you do. It's just fun messing with you. She frowned, I know where you sleep. Aha, uh -huh, safe in my girlfriend's arms, that's where I sleep. End of flashback. I sighed, you know what makes me sad? Who is it? I'll kill M. Remind me later and I'll make a list for you. But it's not a person right now. It makes me sad how I haven't slept with you in over six years. Jade was quiet as she stared ahead at the road. She didn't seem angry or upset, just like she was deep in thought. It wasn't hard to guess what she was thinking about. She didn't say anything, and I stayed quiet as well. Fifteen or so minutes later we arrived back at her house. A few extra cars were in the driveway, and one I recognized as Kat's. She pulled into the large garage, and when I got out, I looked to the left and saw about three other cars sitting in the garage. I didn't comment and followed her up to a couple stairs leading to a door, which opened up into a small hallway with a coat closet on one side. Directly across from it was the entrance to the kitchen, and I couldn't figure out why, in the times that I'd been there, had never actually looked the other way. We walked into the living room, where Randy, Beck, Andre, Marco, and Jake were watching a fight on TV. Beck glanced back at me, Kat's upstairs, she's got some stuff for you. I nodded and we walked past them. Once we got to the stairs, I attempted to take the first one, but pain caused me to fall backwards. Jade immediately caught me and just had a smirk on her face, still falling for me, I see. Bite me, I mumbled. She shrugged and picked me up bridal style, ask nicely and I might. Jade carried me up the stairs, a smirk plastered on her face as I just pouted. She set me down at the top as Kat walked out of her in Beck's bedroom. She smiled at me and hugged me, you're looking good, all things considered. That feels like an insult, I mumbled. Only if you want it to be. Come on, I got you some clean clothes. I sighed, I need the stuff from my apartment. We can go get it, Jade offered. I shook my head, no, it's not safe. Jade had an odd look on her face, get cleaned up. She walked off and Kat ushered me into the bedroom, take a nice shower and wash off all of that icky stuff. Andre's going to make dinner soon. She left a neatly folded stack of clothes on the counter and left me to my business. I stripped out of my clothes and looked at myself in the mirror. I ran my fingers over the various fading bruises on my body, 
my mind flashing to how I got every single one. A push, a slap, a grab. I stepped into the large shower and turned on the water. I stood under the shower of hot water for a few minutes, the water relaxing me. Even when I took showers at my apartment, I never felt clean. I washed my hair and my body at least three times before sitting down on the floor of the shower, letting the water run over me. I brought my knees up to my chest and just sat there. I think I was crying, but I couldn't be sure. Cat knocked on the bathroom door, Hey sweetie, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Just relaxing for a while, I shouted back. I sat for a few more minutes and then got up and shut off the water. I got out of the shower and dried off, then put on the clothes Cat had given me. I was happy she gave me some that I would like, being a pair of grey sweatpants and a black t-shirt. It was only after I'd gotten the clothes on that I realized what was on the shirt. Don't blink number 14 seconds was on the front. On the back was Jade the Panther West. The cuff of the sleeve red women's bantamweight champion. I smiled and shook my head, it was just like Cat to give me a shirt like this. I quickly brushed through my hair and dried it off again, then brushed it again, finally satisfied. I left the bathroom and saw Cat lying on the bed, using her laptop. She had a grin as she saw my shirt, figured you might like that. I do. I'm really hungry though, I said, rubbing my stomach. She got up and headed for the door, come on, Andre should almost be done with dinner by now. At the top of the stairs we could hear shouting. Cat helped me down the stairs, and we entered the living room to see the guys and Jade were watching another fight, what looked like a rerun. It's fight night, so they're warming up by watching old fights. I think it starts in half an hour. Randy finished for her. Half an hour, Cat grinned. She tilted her head towards the kitchen, and I followed her down the hall. The mouth-watering aroma of food assaulted us suddenly, and my stomach growled loudly. Cat walked into the kitchen and stood near the stove where Andre was working, how's dinner going? Well, it's going. Almost finished I think, he turned off the burners and pointed toward the cupboard, could one of you get out some plates and silverware? Cat grabbed eight plates and I got out eight sets of silverware. Andre began loading up the plates with food, tossing a few scraps of meat and some vegetables into Kujo's dish, who immediately started devouring it. The others came into the kitchen and started claiming plates. Jade stood behind me for a short moment, one hand on my waist, as the other put a small white pill on the side of my plate. Take that, it'll knock out the withdrawal no problem. I was skeptical, but took it anyway, eager to have any help I could get. Plus, if Jade said it worked, I trusted her. They all grabbed beers from the fridge and went back out to the living room. I followed behind Kat. After she sat down next to Beck, I realized they'd all left the room right next to Jade. I fought the urge to roll my eyes and sat down next to her. Jade glanced at me and grinned, nice shirt. I did roll my eyes this time, but didn't respond as Randy changed the channel and turned it up as the first fight was starting. It seemed like within five to ten minutes everyone besides Kat and I were already finished eating and sitting back, drinking their beers. 
kid needs to learn to guard, Marco commented on the fight, as they were ground fighting at the moment in what looked to be a featherweight bout. He's not the best at jiu-jitsu, I doubt he's had much training at all. His forte is clinch fighting. He can throw some wicked brutal knees, Randy pointed out. I finished up my food, sat back, and soon found myself leaning into Jade. She seemed to notice this as well and put her arm over my shoulders. I felt comforted by her and stayed as close as I could. It felt really nice just to have a relaxing night, feeling safe. Well, as relaxing as it could be, considering the people around me yelling at the TV as if the fighters could hear them. My head was resting on Jade's shoulder, her arm had moved sort of across my chest by that point. It was about three hours later that the last fight had ended, and they switched the channel to the news to see how the story of Jade being jumped had developed, as Randy had read that there would be an update tonight. A few minutes later the news switched to said story. As you may remember, a few days ago professional MMA fighter Jade West jumped while out on her morning run, only a few feet from her West Hollywood home. Earlier this evening she was seen escorting a young woman out of the Los Angeles Medical Center as the two held hands. An interesting display of affection before the two entered the car hints that the highly sought after 23-year-old judoka has someone else in her sights. The screen switched to a photo of Jade kissing my forehead outside the hospital. Who exactly this woman is is currently unknown, but sources have claimed she's been around West for a few weeks now. I'm sure fans will be curious to know who this mystery woman is. Jade got out her cell and turned on Twitter notifications, then set it down on the table. In only a few seconds, the phone started vibrating furiously as notification after notification came through. Randy and Beck both did the same thing, and their phones started firing off notifications as well. People are itching for some drama, eh? Jake laughed. I almost feel like toying with them a bit. Randy said, a sly grin on his face. Jade glanced at me, and I just shrugged. About 20 minutes later Kat sent out a tweet with a photo of her and Beck smiling, with Randy and Andre sitting next to them. In the background, Jade can clearly be seen kissing me, but due to how her body is positioned, it's impossible to see who I am. She added the caption, My friends and I would just like to say, Jade West MMA is absolutely not seeing anyone, hashtag mysterywoman. She made sure to add the trending hashtag following the news announcement, so everyone who'd already used it could see it. Jade also retweeted it so it was on her page as well. I really shouldn't be so amused by this, Randy laughed. Kat yawned through her laugh, as great as that is, I think it's bedtime. Beck tapped Jade's shoulder and moved towards the basement, let's get your stats written down before we go. She grunted and followed him into the basement, while the rest of us went upstairs. Marco, Jake, and Andre moved right into their rooms, but I stood near Kat's bedroom door with her and Randy. Wonder where she's wanting you to sleep, Kat thought out loud. Randy nodded towards the guest bedroom, most likely in there. She seemed confused, why wouldn't she want to sleep with her? It's not that, trust me. It's just, Jade's room is her space. I'm the only other person allowed in there and that's only in dire emergencies. 
I doubt at this point in time that she's ready to open up her space like that. I sighed and nodded, you're right. I'm going to sleep, I'm exhausted. Kat stepped forward and gave me a hug, see you in the morning, sweetie. You ladies have a good night, Randy called out as he disappeared into his bedroom. I went into the guest bedroom I usually stayed in and, since I had no belongings to speak of, just turned off the light and crawled into bed. I grabbed one of the pillows and hugged it tight. It felt weird being safe again. I felt awful to have my system completely flushed of the drugs I'd relied on for so long. It felt great to be around my friends again, the good ones. But, it felt absolutely incredible being able to lie down and cuddle with Jade for over two hours while they watched Fight Night. It felt just like it did all those years ago. I don't think she realized just how accurate her joke was. She is addicted. I was nearly asleep when I heard the door creak open. I stayed still, my eyes closed. It was silent for a few seconds, and then footsteps walked towards my bed. I felt a warm hand on my arm, and I could tell it was Jade. I feel like at some point it should be concerning how many different ways you can identify one specific person. The weight of the hand on my arm changed slightly, and then I felt a kiss on my cheek that sent a chill down my body. I couldn't help but smile. Soon. That was the only thing she said before exiting the room. I couldn't figure out what she meant by that. What was soon? The question bothered me more than it probably should have. It was on my mind at least until I fell asleep. Soon. Chapter 21, Temptations When I woke up, sunlight was barely peeking through the curtains. I sat up in bed and put my head in my hands. I felt calm and rather refreshed, at least until I opened my eyes a bit and looked at my left arm, the slight bruising reminding me of what I'd tried so hard to keep my mind off of. Before I even realized how my mind was reeling, my breathing became labored and I felt a sinking feeling in my gut. Somehow, I knew if I didn't get some help soon I'd be in trouble. What a fucking fantastic way to start a morning. I struggled to get out of bed and opened the door. I was shaking and crying uncontrollably, so much so that I barely heard the voices around me. I had no idea how many there were. I leaned back into the wall and slid to the ground. Someone knelt down in front of me, a large hand on my forearm. He was speaking to me, but I couldn't understand him. I felt lightheaded, I had no idea how long I sat there completely losing my shit until the man in front of me stood up and I immediately recognized Jade taking his place. She put her hand on my cheek, hey, 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 look at me. I'm here, baby, it's okay. I wrapped my arms around her and buried my face in her neck. She shifted around a bit and suddenly picked me up. She carried me to another room and kicked the door shut. She let me stand on my own, and I just sat down on the floor. She opened and closed a cupboard, then turned on the water. Jade knelt down in front of me again and held out another white pill and a glass of water. Take this, it'll make you feel better. I tried to control my breathing enough to take the pill, finally able to get it down without choking. She took the glass back and dumped it out in the sink, then. 
sat down next to me against the counter. I moved as close to her as I could, and in response, she held me tight. I cried into her shoulder for, I don't even know how long, but she never walked away. Jade stayed with me even after I'd calmed down. How am I going to get my stuff from the apartment? I asked quietly. She hummed and ran her fingers through my hair again, well, we'll walk in, we'll take it, and we'll walk back out. We? I looked up at her. Jade looked back at me, I told you I wouldn't let him hurt you again, and I meant it. I don't want him to hurt you either. She smiled and stood up, offering her hand to me. I took it and she helped me stand up. She made no move to back up, even though we were almost touching. As long as I have you, I'll be okay. I looked up at her. She looked calm, her eyes told me that what she was saying was genuine. I slid my arms around her back and hugged her, she reciprocated immediately. I just stood there and hugged her, and it made me feel so much better. What happened to me? I tried to ask calmly, but it came out as more of a sob. She held me a bit tighter and rubbed my back, her voice calmer than mine was, panic attack. Just part of the withdrawal. It'll get better. Promise? I wasn't sure why I asked, I knew the withdrawal didn't last forever. Have I ever lied to you? Was her simple response. I pulled back slightly to look at her, yeah, there was that one time when you swore Jackson would win and he didn't. Jade frowned seeming more upset about the fact she was wrong rather than the fact that she had lied, I didn't expect him to be so atrocious that night. I love you, Jade. So much. I'm sorry, for everything. Do you remember what I told you years ago? After those few weeks that you were so obsessively flirting with everything that breathed? Flashback. I smiled at the guy in front of me as his bus pulled up to the curb. Nice talking to you, Tori. See you around, I hope. Yeah, I responded, waving at him. I turned around to see Jade leaning against the side of the building, her arms crossed and a scowl on her face. She looked none too happy. I immediately felt guilty and walked towards her like a scolded puppy. She just raised her eyebrows as I approached, as if asking for an explanation. We were just talking was all I could think of. She looked unimpressed, uh -huh, just talking to the, what, 25th person in three weeks? You know, if you aren't happy with me, no one's forcing you to stay. No, Jade, I am, I swear. I'm sorry, I just wanted to have a bit of fun, I stepped towards her, but she sidestepped away from me. Look, I'm not going to force you to learn either way. You think about it and let me know if you want to have fun with all these people or if you want to be faithful to me. It's your choice. I'm sorry, Jade, I whispered. Sorry doesn't mean anything unless what you're sorry about changes. I stayed quiet. She stepped forward and kissed my forehead, whispering one more thing before walking off toward the parking lot, I love you. End of flashback. Sorry doesn't mean anything unless what you're sorry about changes, I replied. She just nodded. What do you want to change? Jade moved her hand up to my face, tucking a few strands of hair behind my ear, 
only as much as you want to. I told you I'd never force you into anything. I want you, I want to be with you, I blurted out before I could stop myself. I quickly tried to clarify, I mean, I want to be yours. I don't want to waste any more time. She smiled, I haven't even taken you on a date yet. I shrugged, I wouldn't have anything to wear even if you did. Which reminds me, you want to go get your stuff today? I sighed and thought about it for a moment, I guess so. Come on, we can eat lunch and then we'll head over. I stopped, lunch? She had an amused smirk on her face, it's noon, babe. When did we go to bed? I asked, then I remembered something else, wait, did you come into my room last night? She made no attempt to deny it, but also didn't seem too interested in elaborating, yeah. I didn't ask any more questions about it, instead asking something else, what's for lunch? Your favorite, actually. I didn't say anything, instead waiting to see if she actually said my favorite lunch food. Cheese toasties and little smokies, there's also tomato soup but it's not the classic kind, per se, a little bit healthier. I smiled, I don't give a shit. It's been way too long since I've had good food, I'm hungry. She opened the bathroom door, I think you'll be happy to know that you'll never go hungry here. I followed her downstairs, managing to go down the steps without help. Hey, do you mind if other people go with us to your apartment? I shrugged, I suppose not. Why? How much stuff do you have to get? I'm not sure. All of my clothes, makeup, books. We walked into the kitchen and saw that Andre had already laid out a plate of food for me, as well as a bowl of soup. My stomach growled loudly, and I immediately sat down and began eating. I hadn't even noticed Jade left and Beck had entered until I was on my second sandwich. Where'd Jade go? I asked them, as they seemed to be arguing over a piece of cardboard. Beck glanced up for a moment, she's on the phone, I think. They went right back to talking, and I picked out that they were talking about what Jade had eaten and were writing it down. I finished the rest of my food and put the dishes in the sink. Just as I walked out into the living room and sat down on the couch next to Cat, Hujo started barking when there was a knock on the door. I guess the beefcakes are here, she quipped. I looked back towards the door as Beck opened it up. Five guys, including Marco and Jake, walked inside. One glance at the men made it clear as to why Cat referred to them as beefcakes. Only a moment later, Jade came up the stairs, followed closely by Randy. Jade chuckled, didn't expect you guys to get here so soon. One of the guys jerked his thumb backward, we were just down at the gym, not a long drive. Right, um, Jade glanced at me and then pointed to the guys one by one, all right, Tori, this is Ryan, Andrew, and Tyler. Guys, this is Tori. Now, is everyone ready to go? Ryan, a tall guy with very light, almost white, short blonde hair clapped his hands once, hell yeah. I'm ready to kick some ass. We're just moving furniture, man, Tyler, a shorter but more muscular guy, replied as he slapped Ryan's back. Beck walked into the room and put his hand on Jade's shoulder, we've still got a bit of work to do tonight, but we can finish it in about an hour. Remember, 
Tomorrow we've got that meeting with Mr. Holson. The name sounded eerily familiar to me, and I couldn't help but ask, Holson? James Holson? The lawyer? Most eyes were on me at that point, and Randy asked, You know him? I just laughed and nodded, Know him? He worked his ass off for over eight months trying to bust Stephen, but couldn't due to a mishandling of evidence. So he knows you, Jade stated. I shrugged, he wanted me to be a witness in the first trial, but I couldn't do it. But have you told him exactly who he's working with? No, we explained the basic situation and what we needed from him. I don't think he knows names quite yet, Randy explained, still seeming curious. I'll tell you this, then, once you tell him who he's working against, he will do everything he possibly can to put Stephen in jail for the rest of his life. I stopped and thought about it, realizing my own fate as well, and most likely me, too. Andrew held up one hand, I doubt you'll get more than a few years and a couple thousand dollar fine for simple possession and or use. I nodded and stood up, maybe, if that were the only thing I was guilty of. All right, let's get moving, Jade announced, walking toward the door leading to the garage, Marco, Ryan, just follow me. I'll drive nice and slow for you. Hey, my truck can be pretty fast. Ryan tried to argue, but Jade was already out in the garage. Kat stood up as well and gave me a you-first gesture toward the garage. I headed that way, but asked her, you're coming too? Well duh, someone's gotta help with clothes and all that, she replied with a smile. Out in the garage, I saw the Lamborghini Jade usually drove was empty, and she was sitting in the larger black car next to it with the passenger door already open. Jade glanced over as we approached, just flipped the seat forward. I did as she said and Kat slid into the back seat, and I sat down in the passenger seat. What kind of car is this? I asked as she seemed to be messing with her phone. Music started playing and she put the phone into a holder attached to the windshield, Celine Mustang, 2015 model. Wait I've got a question of my own, Kat piped up as Jade shifted the car into reverse and backed out of the driveway, what song is this? It's called Change by Churchill, Jade told her. I glanced behind us and saw two pickup trucks following, one black and one red. We were silent for the next ten minutes or so, until Kat whined, I hate this song, can we listen to a new one? Jade huffed and removed the phone from the holder and handed it to me, find a new song, please. I unlocked the phone and looked through the music for a while until I found a song I knew Kat liked. She squealed loudly in excitement and began to sing along to the song. Just as I was handing the phone back to Jade, it vibrated with a text notification from Mallory. I just ignored it and put the phone back in the holder. As soon as we entered my old neighborhood, I felt apprehensive. I got more and more nervous the closer we got to my apartment building. Jade pulled into the parking lot of the building and turned off her car, the pickups following us parking on either side of her. Ready? She asked me. Ready as I'll ever be, I sighed. We got out of the car and saw that all of the other guys, including Randy, were gathered around the bed of the black truck. They picked up, what seemed to be, collapsed cardboard boxes. 
Jade stood next to me and took my hand, tilting her head toward the building. I took a deep breath and walked to the side door I always used. The stairs were just inside the door, so we went up the four flights up to my floor and walked down the hall. I stopped in front of the door and realized the mistake, I don't have a key. Cat brushed past me with her keys in hand and unlocked the door, a grin on her face, you gave me a key, remember? I shrugged, I forgot. Jade guided me back a bit further away from the door as the two biggest guys, being Marco and Andrew, opened up the door and went inside. Jade and Kat stood out in the hall with me as the six guys surveyed the apartment, finally giving us the all clear. I went inside and looked around. It seemed normal, as if Stephen were only out for an errand or something. I sighed and thought for a moment about where to start. Any books you find are going to be mine, same with makeup and most of the movies. Most everything else belongs to him, I told them. Where do you keep the books? Tyler asked, beginning to set up one of the boxes. I pointed down the short hallway, in the room on the right is the office, most of the books and things like that will be in there. Jade picked up one of the boxes as well, if you and Kat want to go sort through your clothes, I'll get the makeup and all that. Kat went down the hallway to the bedroom, and I followed closely behind. I wanted to spend the least amount of time possible in that apartment, so I went right to work quickly digging out all of my stuff from the closet and dresser, tossing it all on the bed. Kat was meticulously folding and packing away every piece of clothing, separating the different types into different boxes. It took us about ten minutes to pack away all of the clothes, as Kat wrote what was in each box on the side and set them in the hallway once they were filled. Once that was done, we dug through the nightstand and under the bed to find anything else. She pulled out a box and looked at me, I'm guessing this is your pick-me-up box? I glanced over and saw she was holding the personal-use box of various drugs we kept under the bed. Yeah, I think it's best if we just leave that. She nodded and moved to put the lid back on, but stopped and pulled out a small bag, what the fuck? I walked over and my heart sank into my stomach when I saw it. On the side of the baggie was written in Stephen's handwriting for Tori and the contents consisted of a light blue powder. I immediately grabbed the bag out of her hand, shoved it in the box, put the lid back on, and pushed it under the bed. Kat seemed startled, but I couldn't even find the words to explain my actions. I just weakly told her that should be the last of the stuff from this room. Kat nodded and folded up the last box and left the room. My heart was racing as I walked over to my side of the bed and opened the drawer of the nightstand. I looked back to the door one last time to make sure nobody was watching and reached inside. I pulled the little bag off of the top of the drawer where it was taped and put it in my pocket, closing the drawer and joining them back out in the living area. So is that everything? Jade asked me, wrapping her arm around my shoulders. I think so, I responded in the calmest voice I could manage. She seemed to pick up on the fact that I was a bit rattled and quickly told the guys to take the boxes down to the trucks. Are you okay? She whispered to me as they left the apartment. Yeah, I'm fine, I looked towards the kitchen, oh, there's one last thing. I walked over and opened one cupboard and pulled out my favorite mug, 
a plain white mug with a mustache on the rim. Both Cat and Jade seemed amused by this. We left the apartment and went back down to the parking lot, where the guys had already loaded all of the boxes into the trucks and were just talking. Once they saw us they hopped into the trucks, and Jade, Cat, and I got into the Mustang. Jade started up the music again and began the drive back to her house. I was satisfied that we'd gotten in and out without any problems, and was glad I at least had my stuff again. Back at the house, they made short work of carrying all of the boxes up to the guest room I was staying in. After they'd done that, everyone but Kat and I went down to the basement, I assumed to do the training Beck was talking about. You want to start putting stuff away? Kat asked me just after taking the mug from me and putting it in one of the cupboards in the kitchen. I shrugged, I think a lot of it needs to be washed first, since most everything smells like weed. Well, we'll get it washed then. Come on, she said. I followed her down the hallway, where just before we got to the stairs, she opened a door to a laundry room and grabbed a few clothes baskets. We went upstairs and started removing the clothes from the boxes and putting them in the baskets to be washed. After we'd finished, there were about three or four loads that had to be done to get through it all. I helped carry the baskets downstairs, then as Kat was starting the first load, I sat out in the living room. She joined me a moment later and we relaxed watching some TV for an hour or so until everyone came back upstairs. Andre and Beck went right over to the kitchen to start making dinner, while the others, minus Jade, went upstairs. She was breathing heavily and looked a bit sweaty, but stopped to talk to us, I think most of us are going to shower while Andre gets dinner ready. So if you guys want to just hang around a bit longer, dinner will be ready in about 45 minutes. We both nodded and she went upstairs as well, and we both laughed a bit as Kujo followed right behind her. That dog is like her shadow, Kat commented. Yep, I agreed, looking through the TV guide to find something interesting to watch. I found a show that was just starting called Over My Dead Body, and being the morbid person I was, I decided to check it out. Kat seemed disgusted. At first, but once the host explained the show, she seemed interested. Apparently, it was about abused people, women in particular, who are forced into a kill-or-be-killed situation. That particular episode seemed to be about a single mother who was being abused by her boyfriend, up until they'd broken up and he began stalking her. At the final confrontation, he attacked her and she talked about how she knew if she didn't kill him, he'd kill her and her baby. I found the episode to be way too relatable for my tastes, however Kat seemed to enjoy it. Throughout the episode, a few of the guys had come downstairs and went to the kitchen. At the end, I turned off the TV and went to the kitchen. The sliding glass door out to the patio was open slightly, and Andre was working out on the grill. Ryan grabbed two more beers out of the fridge and popped both open, handing them to us. He held up his toast and grinned at us. He had a very friendly smile, to be sure. Andre came back inside with two large platters filled with food. Everyone crowded around the island in the kitchen, grabbing plates and filling them with food. I stood back and watched in amusement as they argued over certain things. Suddenly, I felt two hands on my waist and before I could react, Jade leaned forward and bit my earlobe.
I couldn't control the chill that went down my spine, as I was equally turned on and pissed off that she remembered one of my biggest weaknesses. I quickly turned around and glared at her, as she just laughed and seemed to be way too amused at my reaction. You little bitch. I growled at her, pointing a finger at her. She put her hands up in a surrender gesture and just kept laughing as she went over to the island and grabbed two plates. I decided just to stay calm and get my food, sitting down next to her at the table. I let her think she'd won, but two. Could play that game. We ate dinner and went around telling stories, laughing and generally having a good time. Once we'd all finished eating, we went to the living room and Jade set up Netflix to watch a movie. They settled on a movie titled Let the Right One In. The movie was in Swedish, I realized after I'd googled it. Due to the general macabre nature of the movie, I could see why Jade liked it. Near the end of the movie, everyone seemed really into it. I glanced over at Jade, who was intently focused on the movie. I grinned to myself and very slowly moved my hand over to her thigh, holding it there for a moment so if she realized I'd done it, she'd think that was all I planned to do. I knew I couldn't exploit her biggest weakness with so many people around us, but I did know another, more discreet one. I moved my hand more toward the inside of her leg and pressed down on an incredibly sensitive part of her inner thigh that I very clearly remembered drove her absolutely insane years ago. The effect seemed to be the same now, as her hand immediately moved to her mouth to stifle any noises she involuntarily made. She gave me an evil glare, and I just held a victorious grin as I kept my eyes on the TV. After the movie was over, they all seemed exhausted and went upstairs to sleep. Kat went to the laundry room and grabbed the final load out of the dryer and handed me the basket, there you go, you should have something of your own to wear to bed tonight. Thanks Kat, I really appreciate it. She smiled and nodded, let's go to bed, it's late. I was right behind her going up the stairs, and we split off to our separate rooms. I put the clothes basket on the floor and sifted through all four of them to find something comfortable to wear. I took the bag from the pocket of the sweatpants I'd been wearing and put it in the drawer of the nightstand next to the bed. I changed my clothes, then grabbed my toothbrush and toothpaste from one of the boxes and went to the bathroom to brush my teeth. Afterward, I took out my contact case in solution and removed my contacts for the first time in about a week, which felt great. I put on my glasses and settled down in bed with Fahrenheit for 51 and began reading. Around the time the main character Montag went to the house of Faber, an English professor, I stopped and looked over to the nightstand, opening the drawer and taking out the little bag. I stared at the little pink pills, a wide range of emotions flooding through me. I was angry at myself for bringing them back, but also incredibly tempted to take them. I was even more angry at myself when I took the time to count exactly how many there were. Suddenly, the door to my room opened and Jade walked in. I quickly put the bookmark back in the book, tucking the bag inside it as well, and set it down on the nightstand. I composed myself and let a smug grin sit on my face as I looked at her, yes? She said nothing, but calmly walked over to the bed, laid down next to me, and kissed me. I was caught off guard, but kissed her back anyway. I recognized in the way she was kissing me, 
she was filled with too many emotions than she knew what to do with. There were only a handful of times she'd ever kissed me like this, but I still remembered what it meant. Her angry kisses, sad kisses, happy kisses, just because kisses, they were all distinct in their own ways. This particular kiss told me that she didn't have the words to convey how she was feeling, and expressed it in the only way she knew how. With her hands staying around my face or my waist, her body just slightly above mine, and her lips only kissing my own, I began to understand what she was trying to tell me. I realized what she meant the previous night when all she said to me was soon. I put a hand on her shoulder and pulled away slightly, waiting until she looked at me before I spoke, Jade, I need you to listen to me. I want to be with you. I want you to be mine and I want to be yours. I want to go back to that level of intimacy we only got to experience once, but there's no rush. I understand that you're not ready and that's okay. You won't force me into anything and I won't force you either. Whether or not I can be with you like that won't change anything. I'm not going anywhere unless you want me to. I won't leave you again. Jade nodded slowly and kissed me one more time, I love you. I smiled at her, I love you more. She smiled back and stood up, good night, Tori. Night champ, I responded, grabbing my book as she left the room and shut the door. I waited for a few seconds and opened the book, taking the bag out and putting it back in the nightstand. I read for about 15 more minutes until I got tired. I put the book back down on the nightstand and turned out the light. I was content and calm enough to resist the urge, at least for now.